Thank you for tuning in to Valley Rise Church. We're so glad you decided to join us today. For more information on sermon series and service times, you can visit us online at valleyrisechurch.com. Thanks again for joining us. We hope you enjoy today's message. Hey, can I preach a little this morning? I don't know if that's, I know normally I kind of teach, but this, I don't know, this week I just had, someone put gum on the bottom of this thing. Someone's fired. Um, I, uh, I normally teach a little bit, but God kind of put this thing in my heart, so just got to get it out, I guess. Um, hey, let's pray and we'll jump into it. Dear God, thank you so much for every single person here. Thank you for what you're going to speak to us this morning. Pray that you would speak to us like only you can, God. I pray that you would uh, enlighten your word, that we'd see it like you want us to see it, God, that we would hear from you, that you would uh, speak to the deepest parts of our heart like only you can. Prepare us for whatever it is, God, that you're doing in us. Bless us and keep us in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Hey, so um, on your notes, if you're looking at the title, I'm calling this Sheep Lessons. Sheep Lessons, and I love, this is one of my favorite messages that I ever get to preach. Um, And so let me just give you a story. Last night, I kind of had a a little bit of a sheep lesson with Eli. Any of y'all that follow me on Instagram saw my Insta story, and it was one of those moments as a dad you get, like, really excited about. We're at um, Creekside eating, and they have this little, like, lawn, and all these kids are playing. And so me and Alex are sitting back watching the kids play, and Eli comes running over, and he's like, hey, um, Dad, um, uh, can you... um, can you help me talk to that girl over there? And he points, and it's like this cute little girl in like a floral dress. I'm like, oh, my God, yes. I'm like, I've been waiting for this moment our whole lives. So I'm like, listen to me. I'm like, what are you going to say? He's like, I don't know. I'm like, just go be like, hey, what's your name? You know. And so his thing right now is the floss. I don't know if you guys know what the floss is, like the dance, okay? It's like a nervous twitch for him now. He just does it all the time. He's standing around the house doing it. I'm like, what are you doing? He's like, just flossing. I'm like, all right. So, so I, I don't know. I thought it would be good if he just put it to practice. So I'm like, go up, say, hey, what's your name? When she tells you, say, my name's Eli then hit her with the floss and he is like okay so he runs you gotta you gotta watch my instagram story i documented the whole thing he runs over there he says something to her and she just kind of like walks by him and he like kind of looks at me like this and then like runs back to me i'm like oh all right so and it's like a good ways like it's so i see him running the whole way back i'm like what happened he's like um i don't know i said hey what's your name and she ignored me i'm like well um but maybe she didn't hear you because then now she's looking over here. Like she notices now and she's looking at him and Finley and like, and I'm like, look at her. She's looking at you. She wants you to go talk to her. Like go talk to her. He's like, okay, what do I do? I'm like, Eli, floss, hit her. Okay. He's like, all right. So he runs over there and they're, they're talking and then he points back at me. I'm like, don't point over here. Like don't, <laughs> don't bring her over here. Already, I'm out the game. Okay. This is your turn. So, um, and, and then they come running over and now they're like sitting down playing. She's looking at Shiloh and he's talking to her and he goes, um, <laughs> y'all gotta watch it. I promise. He's like, Hey, uh, do you know what the floss is? She's like, no. He's like, bam, hits her with the floss. I'm like, Oh my God, it's all on camera. Like, I'm just like watching him. Like this guy's a killer. Um, and then they went for gumballs. So it was a proud dad moment. He was like, can we go get a gumball? I'm like, you sure can. You get all the gumballs you want today. It was a sheep lesson. Um, a sheep lesson. Hey, sheep lessons. I don't know about you guys, but I love David. I love, I think if, when you look at people that you want to be in the Bible, David is probably one of the guys that you go, God, I love to be David. A guy that they said he was a man after God's own heart, you know. Most men, when you look, if you asked any of them, hey, top three people you'd want to be in the Bible, David is normally at the top of that list, if not in that top three list. Not many people are like, I'd like to be Mephibosheth. Like, there's not a lot of Mephibosheth fans. Like, nobody's trying to, like, very few people want to be Abraham. You know, there's not a lot of that. Everyone wants to be David. But the problem with everyone wanting to be David is not everyone wants to go through what David had to go through to be David. And that's where this message came from, sheep lessons. 
that first part in your blanks right there. If you can't find pasture, if you can't find peace in the pasture, you will never find it in the palace. If you can't find peace in the pasture, you will never find it in the palace. And that's where this message begins. That we see David, who's going to be king. David is anointed king. He's awesome. He's ready. But there's this process that God begins to take him through that he takes all of us through at some point in life. Nobody gets through this life without going through God's process that he prepares us for. And, and some of you saw, I posted it last week in preparation for this message, thinking about this. God never puts the shepherd on the throne. He must make him a king. He must make him a king. And so David begins this process of becoming King David from Shepherd David. And that's where we pick up our story today, 1 Samuel 16, 13. So Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And from that day on, the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David. Samuel then went to Ramah. David and Saul's service now, David's in Saul's service now. The Spirit of the Lord had departed from Saul, and an evil spirit from the Lord tormented him. Saul's attendant said to him, See, an evil spirit from God is tormenting you. Let our Lord command his servants here to search for someone who can play the lyre. He will play when the evil spirit from God comes on you, and you will feel better. So Saul said to his attendants, Find someone who plays well and bring him to me. One of the servants answered, I have seen a son of, the, I have seen a son of Jesse of Bethlehem who knows how to play the lyre. He is a brave man and a warrior. He speaks well and is a fine-looking man, and the Lord is with him. Then Saul sent messengers to Jesse and said, Send me your son David, who is with the sheep. So Jesse took a donkey loaded with bread, a skin of wine, and a young goat, and sent them with his son David to Saul. David came to Saul and entered his service. Saul liked him very much, and David became one of his armor bearers. Then Saul sent word to Jesse, saying, Allow David to remain in my service, for I am pleased with him. Whenever the Spirit from, the, from God came on Saul, David would take up his lyre and play. Then relief would come to Saul. He would feel better, and the evil spirit would leave him. I love this because this is the, actually the first time that we begin to see David in the Bible. Most of us, the first time you think is David and Goliath. But what we don't realize a lot of times is there is this precursor to David and Goliath. And it's this element of David stepping out and being noticed by the king where he has been anointed king. I love this, how this plays out in the Bible because this is in your Bible when you look, they kind of, you know, your Bible divides it into sections. The last verse, verse... 13, and the Spirit of the Lord rushed upon David from that day forward. Samuel rose up, went to Ramah. The very next verse, verse 14, now the Spirit of the Lord departed from Saul. And I want you to know that while God is preparing you for what you're going to do, God is also preparing what you're going to do for you. God wasn't just preparing David in the field. God was preparing Saul in the throne and what he was going to for him. While the, while the Spirit of God went on David, it had left Saul. So now David is in this process of getting to the throne while God is preparing the throne for David. And I think oftentimes it's very easy to think God's just working on us and we're in this process. And God, when am I going to be done? And when are you going to use me? And when are you going to help my business? And when are you going to help my family and my relationships? And what we don't realize is that while God is working on us, he's also working on that situation. Don't lose hope because while it may seem like you're the only one in queue, God is also using your situation and he's working in it and he's preparing it for you so that when you get to that place, it's prepared for you. You're not just prepared for it. Yeah, sure, clap. That's great. I'm preaching better than you guys are clapping, but that's okay. We'll figure it out together. What set David apart? What was it that set David apart? I think God gives us this guideline of what it is that set David apart in this. If we were to look at the guideline, the, the, the prototype of David and go, okay, I want to be like David. God, what does it take for me to be a person after your own heart? Take everything else David did out. Take the giant killing. Take the king. Take, if all that the Bible said about David was he was a man after God's own heart and it was the only person he ever said it about, I don't know about you, but I'd be like, I'd like to be like that guy. Like, that's, that's the only person the Bible said that about. He was a man after God's heart. I can, I, that's a guy. 
I want to be like. All of that aside, we begin to see what it was that made David a man after God's heart. Number one, he says that he was a man of valor. He was a man of valor is that first blank. And I believe God's calling us to be courageous. He's a man of valor, and he wants us to be courageous. What is it in your life? What area of your life have you been scared of because you don't know if you're ready for What area of your life are you holding back in? What area of your life are you afraid to step out in? What area of your life are you going, God, I want to do this, but I don't know if I do this if it's actually going to happen the way I thought it was going to happen. I don't know if I pick up the phone and call that person if that conversation is going to take place the way that conversation is going to take place. But I believe in them, when they detail David, he says he's a man of valor. He's a man of valor, that God is calling us to be courageous as people. Eli, when we're standing there yesterday in the park, this was not part of my message. God just did this. He set this up for me perfectly. Eli goes, I'm really like, I'm scared, I'm shy, I'm nervous. I looked at him and said, listen to me, you just got to be brave for like just a little bit. Okay, just be brave for a little bit and go over there and do it. And he's like, (laughs) and then he goes and does it. Sometimes God is going, there's a lot waiting for you. You just got to be brave for just a little bit. I just need you to step out for just a second. I just need you to be courageous for just a little bit because it's David's courage that sets him apart. David's courage, and then it says he's a man that was tested in battle. You're testing in battle. What areas are you growing in? What areas are you growing? And I imagine David out there as a shepherd. Listen, being a shepherd was not the job to have. Being a shepherd was not cool. Nobody wanted to be the shepherd. David was the shepherd because he was the youngest of the, of the family, and he was just out there. Most theologians think that he was from a, mar- from a relationship outside of his marriage, and so he was kind of out in the field so that no one would see him. Being the shepherd was not the place to be. And I imagine being a shepherd, and just like any boy that grows up out in the country, and, and for those of you who don't know, I'm from Lafayette, Louisiana, I'm a Cajun, and I know what you're thinking, ain't no way he's a Cajun wearing jeans that tight, but it, you know, it is what it is. Um, and, and you go out in the field, and you know, we would throw rocks, and you shoot guns, and you, do, you find stuff to do when you live out in the country. And I imagine David out there with that sling, throwing, you know, throwing rocks, fighting wolves, and fighting bears, and fighting lions, and throwing that sling, and throwing that sling. And I mean, anyone who's a boy or who has boys, we used to go outside and we put a stick in the yard. You know, okay, whoever can hit the stick with a baseball or whoever can hit the stick with a rock or whoever can, anything that we could do to just practice and play. And, and I imagine David out there throwing, throwing this stone, throwing this stone, throwing this stone, never realizing all the time he thought he was wasting time. God was preparing him for the greatest moment of his entire life. What are you doing right now that God is growing you in that you may think you're wasting time, but God's going, I'm setting you up for something that's going to change the rest of your story. I'm preparing you for something that you're not aware of yet. Testing and battle. What areas are you growing in? Then it goes on to say that he was prudent in speech. He was prudent in speech. When I was a kid, my dad had this theme verse for me. And um, I, I was very um, I was very talkative as a child. Some would say ADHD even. Um, Everyone would say that, actually. But I, I was always, like, I always, it was, my mind was running 100 miles an hour all the time. I always had something I wanted to say. There was always something I was waiting. I was the kid that was like, dad, 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 dad. And he'd be like, what? And I'd be like, God, I just forgot it. Like, I just, it was something good. I forgot it. To this day, I do that. My dad, I called him yesterday. He finally calls me back. He's like, what's up? I'm like, um, I'm going to be honest. You should have answered the first time I called. I have no clue what I called you for. But as an adult, I can tame that. As a child, that was not tamed. It just came out all the time. And we began this verse where my dad would look at me. To this day, if he was right here, he'd say it. He would go, son, even a fool. And I would say, when he is quiet, is thought to be wise. Okay, even a fool, when he is quiet, is thought to be wise. Even a fool. It was my life verse. Even a fool, when he is quiet, is thought to be wise. David was a man who was prudent in speech. Hey, let me ask you a question. When is the last time that you didn't say something? 
When is the last time that maybe you sat in a room and you just took in what was going on around you and you didn't say something? Today we live in a world where everyone has an opinion and everyone wants their opinion to be heard and everyone's opinion is truth and everyone wants their truth to be the only truth. And, and if you ever get on Facebook, it's pretty clear that, like, first of all, no one's ever won a battle on Facebook, just so you all know. No one's ever won an argument on Facebook. I've never seen a Facebook argument happen and then at the end someone's like, you know what, you're right. Thanks for explaining that to me. Like, I appreciate you taking the time to do that today. Now I believe something different than I believed. That's never happened in the history of Facebook, okay? I don't know if that's an actual statistic, but I'm pretty sure it is. However, when is the last time that you just passed up on a conversation that you thought, you know what, that's not worth jumping into. That's not worth wasting my time on. That's not worth arguing about. That's not worth, I'm going to be prudent in my speech. I'm going to conserve my words so that when I do speak, they carry weight. You know what God was preparing him for? He was preparing him to be king. So that one day when he did speak as the king, it would be powerful. So that when he did speak as the king, that people were waiting to hear what he was going to say. That he wasn't a king that just said everything that came to his mind. But God was preparing him in his speech that as a king, he would be able to speak and people would go, God, he doesn't talk a lot. So when he does, it's powerful. When is the last time that you didn't say something? He calls us to be prudent in speech. Then it says that David was a man of good presence. That encompasses a lot. David was the man of good presence. And here's the question I have for you today. Do, you, do people leave you feeling better about themselves? One time I had a guy, we were hanging out, and, and a bunch of friends were joking around. And one of the guys said to the other guys, he said, does anyone ever leave when they're with you feeling better? And I had this amazing thought of how do people leave me feeling? How do people leave you feeling? When you're in the room with people at office or work or maybe at the dinner table with your family or, or on the phone with someone, do they hang up going, God, my day just got a lot better? Is your presence a good presence to people? Or when you walk in the room, are people like, God, not again, please? Like, I, the, the, the greatest fear of my life is that one day I die and people are like, thank God, finally. Like, you know anyone like that? We all know people like that. Maybe you're related to somebody like that. Maybe it's your mother-in-law. It's not mine. I'm just saying. Maybe it's yours. But those thoughts that you have where you just go, stop the tape, um, <laughs> where you just go, <laughs> God, like, my life would be far easier without this person. Are we that to people or maybe you somebody that they go, every time I'm around them, I feel better about myself. Every time I'm around them, they encourage me. I spent the first 10 minutes of my message in Mississippi looking at students and just saying, hey, what's your name, bud? Luke. Hey, Luke, you're going to change the world. You're awesome. You're great. you got a purpose. you got a destiny. There's a dream inside you that God put there. Hey, what's your name? Cynthia. Hey, Cynthia, you're awesome. You're great. You're amazing. You're going to change the world. Why? Because we need 10 times more of that than what we get most of the time on social media, on TV, on our music, and our friendships, and our family. And our. How about we start telling people how awesome they are? How about you make it your priority every day that when you walk in, people know I'm about to get complimented. I don't even know if I look good today, but they told me I look good. I don't know if I sound good when I sing, but they told me it was like beautiful music to their ears. Like, let's be somebody that when we go in places, we encourage people. I was traveling with um, Pastor Dino Rizzo, who's my, my pastor and our, one of our overseers, who's um, a, a very, he's a great speaker and renowned pastor in America. And so we're traveling and we're in this group and, and doing some consultations with some churches in California. And they're asking him some ideas that are not good ideas. They're like, you know, we want to start 12 campuses this year. He's like, how many people do y'all have? They're like, 100. I'm like, that's not, that's probably not a good idea. Like, maybe you guys shouldn't do that. And he's like, God, I mean, you guys can do it. Y'all should, it's awesome. It's going to be great. If anyone can do it, y'all can do it. 
looking at him going like, what is he, why? Next idea was like an equally as bad idea, you know. Want to start 12 campuses. How much money you got in the bank? $1,000. Like, hey, you know, I don't know if that's a good time to start 12 campuses. Like, maybe you need to reconsider this thing. Now, how many leaders do you have? We got two leaders. You want to do 12 campuses, you got two. I'm doing the math in my mind. The whole time, I'm just going like, these are all really bad ideas, okay? And, and Pastor Dino's just going, man, y'all can do it. Anybody can do it. You can do it. Y'all going to change this city. You're going to crush this. You're gonna... We leave there. I get in the car. I go, hey, what were you talking about? Like, those were horrible ideas. Why? He said, listen to me. Encourage people everywhere you go. People always want to be around people that encourage them that they can do what God's put in their heart. And I just remember thinking, God, like, I want to be that to people. I don't, if it's a dream in their heart, maybe it is unrealistic. I want to encourage them that if anyone in the world can do it, they can do it. I don't want to be the bearer of bad news. I don't want to be the person that tears people down. I don't want to be the person that says, God, that idea is stupid. I want to be the person that goes, hey, that's a great idea. If God's put that in your heart, he's going to make a way for it. Why don't you run after it? And I believe that God has called us to have good presence, to be people that leave people feeling better about themselves than when they got there. And then it says that, that he was godly. He was godly. Let me ask you this. Are your desires, because a lot of that comes from our desires, are your desires your desires or are they God's desires? Are they my desires or are they God's desires? I encourage you when you start the day and you spend time with Jesus that you sit there and you go, God, what is it that you desire today? What is it that you're looking from me for today, God? What is it that's on your heart today? What is it on your schedule? What is it on your calendar? What is it on? God, what are your desires? Because I don't know about you, but there's many times throughout the day that I find myself doing things that I just go, I, I, don't, I don't know if God desires me to binge watch Netflix. Like, I don't know if God desires me to listen to this or to watch this or to be in this environment. or to God, is this me that wants this or is this you that wants this? And that's a scary thought sometimes. Sometimes to take our desires and go, God, is this yours or is this mine, is scary because a lot of times it means us realizing that maybe our life is not about God, it's about us at times. But I believe if we're going to be people that change our generation and change our world and change the kingdom, and David, who's going to do something that's amazing, that God goes, listen, I need your desires to be my desires. I need the things in your heart to be the things that are in my heart. And the reason that David was a man after God's own heart is because he was after God's desires, not after his desires. What is it that our heart desires? What is it that, I once heard a pastor say, if God gave you all of your dreams and every one of them came true, would the world change or would you change? Would only, the, would only you change or would it change the entire world? And many times I sit down and I ask myself, I write out my dreams and I go, if all of these dreams came true, would it only change me? Or would it change the world around me? Because God puts us on this earth to change the world around us. He puts you in your office to change the office around you. He puts you in your friendships to change the friendships around you. Y'all don't know this, but I've, and I've, I've talked about this a couple times, so some of you have heard me talk about it. I've, I've told you a story about a friend that I've had that I've waited you know, six years. Alex goes, why are we friends with them? And I've always said, one day they're going to get it. One day they're going to call us. One day they're going to come close to Jesus. One day, okay, and... A couple, about, about eight months ago, he called me. Their relationship was falling apart. Y'all remember that story? You guys remember me telling you the story? Okay, three weeks ago, he was my buddy that was here with me, and he sat right there, and he was the first person to raise his hand for salvation at the end of the call. He is now this morning, he tell, yes, that's worth clapping. That's seven years. That is seven years of investing into them. He texted me this morning a picture in Lafayette. They're going to my dad's church. He's like, yo, we're going to this. This is the first time I've ever been here. 
And I just stood in the back thinking like, God, what, what an investment. If we're called to change the world, it starts with changing the people right next to us. It starts with changing the person in the seats across from you at the office. It starts with being an encourager so people see there's something different about you. Or our heart, or our desires, God's desires, or they are desires. I love this, 1 Samuel 16, 23. Whenever the Spirit from God came on Saul, David would take up his lyre and play. Then relief would come to Saul and he would feel better and the evil spirit would leave him. That second blank right there, God gives you what is in your heart when you steward what is in your hand. God gives you what's in your heart when you steward what's in your hand. I love that it didn't say, Saul called David and David came in and said, listen, Saul, I'm going to be king very shortly, okay? So you don't need to worry. You don't need to fret. I've been anointed. Clearly the spirit of God left you, okay? Like, don't worry. I got this. David comes in, and the thing that he was skillful at was playing the lyre. And so because he was prudent with what was in his hand, because he was faithful with what God had put in his hand, because he was doing the little things that God had put in his hand, God was ultimately going to give him what was in his heart, which was the throne that he was standing before day in and day out serving a wicked king on. And listen to me, there's things in your heart that you look at and you just go, God, if I could just have that, if I could just get that, if I could just be like that, if I could just do that, if I could, and God's going, how about you just worry about what's in your hand? How about you steward what I've given you, the little things? How about you take care of the small things so that I can give you the big things? Because if we don't ever take our eyes off of the dream and put them on what's in our hand, we will never grow what he has given us. I'm always reminded with my children, it's good that they're this age apart and even have kids know. Because I look at Shiloh and on the worst days when she's fussy and using the bathroom everywhere and up all night. And I look at Alex and you can ask her, I'll go, don't worry. We're going to blink and she's going to be like Finley. We're going to blink and she's going to be like Eli. Eli two nights ago goes, Dad, you don't need to bathe me. I can bathe myself. I'm like, God, you can bathe yourself. Yes. Thank you, Jesus. I'm like, you need me wash your hair, anything? He's saying, I got it, Dad. I got him a grown man. I'm like, hey, you're a grown man. Talking to chicks, buying them gumballs, bathe yourself. All right, do whatever you want to do, man. Let me know when you need me. Um, but I love it because I'm reminded that, that even though it seems inconvenient at times, even though it seems insignificant at times, even though it seems frustrating at times, that the thing that seems inconvenient and insignificant and frustrating will very shortly grow up to be a joy. Will very shortly grow up to bring us more love and joy and peace and exciting and happiness and great memories than I could ever imagine. There is something in your hand that if you will steward it and if you will enjoy what you have in your hand, very shortly you will blink and God will give you what's in your heart. He's waiting for us to steward what's in our hand. God gives, what is in your, God gives us what's in our heart when we steward what's in our hand. And then number three as we close, the field tests. The field tests prepare you for the real tests. The field tests prepare you for the real tests. I love this. Because I love to think, I don't know about you, but when I read the Bible, I, I like to put myself in it. Like, listen, we know the stories. You know how it ends. The next chapter, the very next chapter after this is David fighting Goliath. So think about David's story. David's out there with the sheep. Okay, he's, he's going back and forth to Saul. Saul's going, hey, let him stay and help. He ends up back at his home because when they call for him to bring his brother's food, he's back at his father's pasture tending the sheep again. So he's going from in front of the king, okay, back to the sheep, back to the sheep. I, I can't imagine David being back with the sheep, okay, just, hey, it's just us. You're not going to believe what happened. I was just with the king. Really? No, I promise. It was a bad time. That guy was filled with demons, and you guys wouldn't believe it. And talking to these sheep, and y'all, I was with the king. I was playing for the king. It was awesome. Like it was, and then looking around and realizing he's with the sheep still. 
And go on, go on, go on and get in the call. And okay, I'm back here now. Play for the king. Play for the king. Play for the king. Okay, back here with the sheep. Taking care of sheep. Chasing lost sheep. Fighting wolves. Fighting bears. Throwing the slingshot. Throwing the slingshot. Throwing the slingshot. I can't imagine the dichotomy between being in this place that the palace and the kingdom and being in front of the king and feeling so useful and then going back, back to the pasture, back to the sheep, back to being forgotten, back to being out of the house, back to sleeping out in the fields, back to just him throwing a slingshot, throwing a slingshot, throwing a slingshot. And what we begin to see is though in this process somewhere between the king, the kingdom, the throne, and the pasture that God is preparing David for the next chapter. That the next chapter that he wasn't aware of is that he was going to be fighting Goliath. That the next chapter that he had no clue was coming was that he was about to be fighting this giant and it was going to set him up for the rest of his life. He wasn't aware that in his practice, in standing out there throwing a rock, throwing a rock, throwing a rock, throwing a rock. Why am I out here? This is stupid. All I got out here to do is throw this slingshot. All I'm out here to do is take care of the sheep. All I'm out here to do that's God going. It's the field tests that you're having right now that are going to prepare you for the real test. They're going to set you up for the rest of your life. There are things that you're doing right now that you're going, God, why do I have to do this? Why do I have to do this? Why do I have to do this? This is so frustrating. That God's going, you don't understand. I'm doing this for a reason. Because the very next chapter of your life, you're about to step into a new season. And you're about to use all of the little things that you've been learning in this season. And the tests that you thought were insignificant, and the tests that you thought were frustrating, and the tests that you thought were difficult, and the tests that you didn't know why you were walking through them, I was ultimately using because you were going to need every single one of those skills for the challenge that was coming. It's the field tests that prepare us for the real tests. Let me ask you this. What in your life, what area is it in your life that you go, God, why am I doing this? Why, why, am I, God, why am I stuck in this job? Why, why do you have me? I feel like I'm going round and round and round and round. And God's going, learn the field test. Because if you can't learn it in the field, if you can't find the peace in the pasture, you'll never find it in the palace. If you can't learn how to seek me, David, when you're with the sheep, you'll never learn how to seek me when you're on the throne. If you can't learn how to love me, David, when you're out here chasing off wolves and bears, and when you stand before Goliath, who is very scary, you won't have the trust in me that you have. You've got to learn it in this season. I love this because it, 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 this is my life. This is my life. Sometimes people hear me preach and they go, God, man, you know, you just had like a day to prepare for that. How'd you do that? And I go, no, I didn't have a day. I've had my entire life to prepare for this. What do you think I've been doing my entire life? People, how'd you learn how to preach? I preach like every day. Like I preach in the mirror. I preach in the shower. I preach in the car. I, pre I preach everywhere. You can ask Alex. It, this is not a joke. She walks in on me in the mirror, in my drawers, preaching to my mirror more times than you could ever imagine. And it's all, every time it's awkward. We're, we've been together 12 years. Every time it's awkward. I'm like, and God's going to do it. She opens the door. I'm like, what are you, why, why are you, why are you here? Why? I was closing the service. Do you, are you ready for the altar? Are you going to get down? No? Okay. Out of here. Got to finish this up. I preach. People ask me all, all the time. Young kids will come to me and go, how can I be a better preacher? How can I do? How do I learn how to preach? How do I learn how to? And I go, preach. Just preach all the time. Preach wherever you're at. Preach in your shower. Preach in your house. Preach in your basement. Preach where you're driving. Preach. Preach all the time. Why? Because God's preparing you for something more than your car. 
He's preparing you for something more than your shower. He's preparing you for something more than your bathroom mirror. God is preparing you in this season of waiting for something bigger than you could ever imagine. And when you get there, if you've prepared well and you've prepared right, then you'll stand before Goliath and go, this is nothing. I've seen way bigger than this. I've seen God be faithful with the sheep. I've seen him be faithful with the bears and the lions. I've seen God come through. I can stand in this season ready to take on a giant because I'm prepared. What area is God preparing you in? What area of your life is he speaking to you? Hey, don't, don't, don't look down on this area. Don't despise small beginnings. Listen, I know y'all, y'all we, we all just met, okay, in the last six months. I feel like I blinked. Yesterday, I was at a church with 70,000 people. It is very easy at times for probably everyone on our team to come and go, how many people we have? 150? Whew, all right, 150 people. Okay, all right, we got this, 150 people. And I told them last week, I said, I'm so reminded that it's in this season I never want to forget because I love this. This will be the only season of our church I'll be able to hug every person that walks out that door. It'll be the only season of our church I'll be able to kiss old ladies on the cheek. It'll be the only season of our church I'll be able to shake everybody's hand and have lunch and coffee with people and do, because there will very quickly be a time that there'll be too many people to hug every time they walk out the door and too many people to shake hands with every time they walk out the door and too many lunches to have and too many. This is the small seasons that God puts us in to prepare us for the next season. What is he preparing you for? What is it in your heart that he's preparing you for? The dream that's in there that you go, God, if I could just have this. And God's going, that's okay. I'm preparing that for you. Just be faithful with what's in your hand. Just be faithful with what I've given you now. Just steward the business well. Steward your family well. Steward your children well. Steward the relationships I've put around you well. Steward your friendships well. Steward your family well. Because this next season, you're going to be able to have to do all of those things for me to take you where I want to take you. Would you bow your heads with me? Dear God, thank you so much for today. Thank you for your love and your mercy, God. Thank you that you are a God of seasons, that you prepare us with the sheep, God, for the throne. That you prepare to take us places that we're not even aware of yet. God, let us never despise the small seasons, the small beginnings. Because it's in these seasons, God. It's in the pasture. It's fighting the bears. It's throwing the slingshot. That you're preparing us and honing our skills to take us to the next level. We can't ever face Goliath until we've learned to throw the slingshot. And thank you, God, that there's seasons of our lives, each and every one of us, that we're preparing to face Goliaths. We are practicing with the slingshots. We are being faithful with what's in our hand. God, I pray that you would encourage every single person here today. That the seasons of their life that they feel are insignificant or frustrating or troubling or trialing, that they would then be able to see, God, you are preparing them for something far greater. This is just a season. They will blink and they will be on the throne. God, prepare us. Prepare our hearts for wherever you're going to take us, God. Prepare what's in our hands for wherever you're going to take us. Let us steward what you've given us well, God, so that you can take us to the next level, so that you can bless our businesses, so that you can bless our families, so that you can bless our ideas and the creative dreams that you've put in our hearts, God. It starts with stewarding the sheep. Let us never forget the sheep lessons, God. With every head bowed and every eye closed, and there's some of you here today that maybe you go, man, I'd, I'd love to have a dream. I'd love to chase after that. I'd love for God to prepare me. I didn't even know that, that God was doing any of that in me. 
I didn't even know that he had a purpose and a plan for me. I didn't realize that he was preparing me for something more. But today, I'd love to jump into a relationship with Jesus. A Jesus that has a plan for me. A Jesus that has a dream for me. A Jesus that isn't mad at me. Maybe you've had religion. Maybe you've been to church. But you've never had a relationship with Jesus. If that's you today, with every head bowed and every eye closed, this is between you and Jesus. If that's you and you say, Christian, today, I want to begin that relationship with Jesus. I want to take that step into knowing what it's like to walk with him. Would you raise your hand for me? Amen. You can put your hands down. And I want you to pray this prayer with me. And you can pray it out loud. You can pray it in your heart. You can pray it under your breath. Just as long as you mean it, this is between you and Jesus. Dear Lord Jesus, thank you for loving me. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for dying on the cross so that I could walk in freedom. Thank you for raising from the dead to give me new life. Today, Jesus, I believe that you're my Savior. I believe that you're the Son of God. That you laid down your life for me. Today, I choose to follow you. Today, I choose to give you all of me. Your desires, not my desires. And I start that journey today. Come into my life. Change my heart. Make me new. In Jesus' precious name, amen and amen. Hey, would you give a hand to those that just made the greatest decision of their lives? Amen. Amen. Hey, for those of you who are asking, because I do think about it every time we pray that prayer, we're having baptisms at the end of summer. We're going to do a big baptism Sunday, and I'll talk more about that the Sundays leading up to it. Um, but it's a great, it's going to be a great time for any of you that maybe were baptized as a kid, or maybe you want to re-solidify what that looks like in your life. And again, I'll do a whole message on that for you guys. So, um, But if you're wondering, we are. It's, it's on my mind, and we're doing it. So, hey, I'm so thankful that you guys are here with us today. I know there's a lot of great places you could be, and coming to a high school oftentimes is scary, and you don't know, you know, there's a tall Mexican, you're like, I've never seen a Mexican that tall, and so this is weird, but um, we want you to know we're grateful that you're here with us today, and, and love that we get to serve this community. Last week we did Serve Week, and it was awesome. The principal texted me this morning, she goes, I forgot to tell y'all last week, but I'm so thankful for everything y'all did at this school. It looks amazing, like y'all have no idea how much that means to us, and I just said, listen, it is the joy of our lives that our first surf project could be this school, that we would get to give back to a school that we get to meet in every week and be a part of. And so that didn't happen without you guys. So thank you for that. Hey, listen, if you came prepared to worship with your giving today, we got three ways that you can do that. You can give an offering envelope when they pass the buckets. You also can drop your connection cards in those buckets. Um, you can give online at valleyrisechurch.com. Click the giving link. Or then you can text Valley Rise in the amount of 77296. And like I say every week, because I want you all to know my heart, I want everything for you and nothing from you. I'll never ask you for money. The Bible says every man should decide his own heart what the Lord would have him give. So my prayer is always, you ask God what he wants you to do, and we trust God that he's going to take care of us. So we love you. We're so thankful that you're here. We're going to pray over this, and we'll get out of here. Dear God, thank you so much for every single person here. Thank you, God, for every gift and every giver, every single person that sows, God, into Valley Rise Church. That in these little seasons, God, that you're preparing Valley Rise Church for something that's going to be amazing, that it's these people, it's this foundation that is building, God, for what's to come. I pray that you would bless them. I pray that you would multiply everything they put their hand to, seeking first the kingdom of God. I pray that your face would shine upon them. They'd be blessed and they're going in and they're coming out. God, that they would just have the greatest week of their life. 
that you would bring joy to their hearts and minds and that they would change every environment they walk into. Bless them and keep them. Bless this offering in Jesus' precious name. Amen and amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message. We hope you'll stay connected by following us online. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram using at Valley Rise Church. We hope you enjoy today's message and we'll see you soon. Thank you.